King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the Baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work with him. But others said, it's Elijah, and others said, it's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he listened to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officials and the leaders of Galilee. When his wife Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately, she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the baptizer on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. When the girl gave it to her mother, when his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in, the, in a tomb. It's a wonderful reading that, isn't it? The beheading of John the Baptist for our all-age service. <laughs> there we go. I don't have a conversation with the Church of England before they choose their readings. There we go. Anyway, um, I've got a few things in my bag here to help us focus today on, partly on, the message of the reading. Now, I was going to have a knife, but I decided that's probably, I could get arrested for that. Um, so the second thing I've got, I've got a clock, but I might put these out. Let's pop them up here. I've got... A sort of wallet. I've got a football scarf. Thank you, Malcolm. Not quite the liturgical colours of the season, but... I've got my favourite things. A pair of marigolds. They do go with the scarf, though, so that's nice. Um, I've got my mobile phone, and I've got a TV remote. So... Our Bible reading today, well, if I had the knife, imagine I've got a knife. That knife reminds us that following and speaking the truth cost John the Baptist his life. And I'm going to show you a a little slide. Um, 
which I'll just see where I've got it. It's a kind of, oh, hopefully there'll be a slide appearing. Should be. <laughs> ah, here we go. So it's a, oh, do, actually, do come out of the pews if you'd like to sit, because there's going to be a few more images and things up here, so do come out and take a seat. Um, so that's a black and white image with no blood on it, so that was specially chosen for the all age. Um, although, <laughs> yes, anyway, I'll tell you later. Another story. So that's um, an image of John the Baptist. And we're very lucky in this country, obviously, because following Jesus and speaking truth in his name is not likely to cost us our lives. But around the world, things are really not so great. There's a map of the world which shows the areas where Christians are persecuted. The orange are bad areas. The red are severe areas. There are, in fact, 340 million Christians being persecuted worldwide at at this moment. And last year, um, 4,472 churches and Christian buildings were attacked, and 4,761 Christians were murdered. Um, These are the countries... These are the countries, top ten most dangerous countries in which to be a Christian. And it was a great privilege uh, when I was on community at Lee Abbey to share um, life with some Christians from Pakistan and their stories would make your hair stand on end. So um, that's just a little bit about, I think that's the last slide. Thank you. So we can take that off now. Thank you. Um, So what will it cost us to follow Jesus and to speak his truth? Well, it's probably going to cost us time. Now, it'll cost us time in a number of ways. We might need to, for instance, write to our MP instead of watching TV. We might have to go on a protest march instead of going to the footy. We might need to spend time praying for friends who aren't, who don't yet know Jesus, rather than being on uh, social media. And it might cost us time in serving in our church, uh, on the sanctuary guild or on the coffee rota, for instance. You can't do it those without your marigolds. And of course, all of this also will cost us this. Following Jesus will cost us money. We, if we're following Jesus, we're going to be giving sacrificially to our church, sacrificially and regularly. And um, a little kind of um, sign of that is the envelopes on the back of the church for church members who are regulars in our church fund. And their letters to thank them for their regular giving. So if you're not already part of our planned giving and church fund, please do have a word with Norman after the service. Norman will give us a wave. Thank you, Norman. Um, of course, we, we need to give sacrificially to our churches, 
But we also need to give, we may need to give to organisations like Open Doors. That's where I got that information and that map of the persecuted Christians in the world. The other thing it will cost us, or may cost us, is our reputation. It's particularly hard for teenagers. In fact, it's never been cool to be a Christian, but I think probably the hardest place to be an open Christian at the moment in this country is in school. I don't know whether Precious and Hope can can nod their heads and say, yes, that's true. Or maybe they just keep a low profile. Speaking the truth as he saw it cost Winston Marshall his place in the band Mumford and Sons. He'd initially apologised following a post that he'd made in social media. What you might not know is that it was his faith that led to his leaving the band. He said this, My faith has played a big part in this. Actually, the week before making the final decision, I was pretty much planted in my local Catholic church around the corner from the house, he said. That's probably why, after a while, the apology that he made, which he didn't really mean, was bothering me like it did. I couldn't square those things in my conscience. Now, the truth is, it has never been easy to follow Jesus and to live in his truth. But we don't all try our best in order to be accepted. Jesus was willing to give everything that he had for us. He put his reputation on the line. He was utterly shamed and disgraced by suffering a death of a common criminal, dying naked and bleeding on a cross for us to bring us back to himself. And then, if that wasn't enough, he gives us, he can offer us the gift of his spirit to empower us to live our lives the way that we were always meant to live them. Because of a rather challenging assembly when I was a kid, I always thought that to follow Jesus meant being prepared to die for him. And once I'd got a medical degree under my belt, um, I thought that God would inevitably call me to be a missionary doctor in Africa. Now, don't ask me why, but I've never been very good in the heat. And uh, I really don't like spiders, and, and I'm not even that bothered about seeing, you know, the big, was it the big five or the big, yeah, really, I, I happily stay on telly, that's, that's me. So the thought of that was just enough to bring me out in hives, and I thought I couldn't do it. But as time went on, I just had this conflict within me and I felt that Jesus was the truth and that I needed to give everything that I had and was to him. And what was really interesting was that the moment I did that, all that fear of being called to Africa or whatever, um, left me. In fact, um, as Eileen will attest, I'm now asking, when can we go to Malawi? (laughs) So it may be that you believe there is a God, or think there is, but have never completely given your life to Jesus, asked him to forgive you, and put your trust in what he did for you, and asked him to come by his spirit into your life and transform it. Or it may be that you know that you're still holding something back from him, 
but you're still holding on to some securities. Well, I'd like to challenge you today to give your life completely to him. You might end up collared like me, but um, it could be something very much simpler that he's asking you to do. Like maybe take up the marigolds of service. So I'd like to invite you to pause in quiet now and search your heart and see, allow God to search your heart and see if there's anything that you're holding back from him and to, if you want to, to invite him to come more fully into your heart and life today.